Hey friends, today I have Kate Hudson Hall joining me from Anxiety Hacks and Bulimia Sucks podcast, but she's also the author of Anxiety Hacks, Proven Techniques, Tools, and Tips to Calmness. It's a book I picked up right before we did this episode, and I found a lot of really amazing techniques to add to my life. I highly recommend you get the book and enjoy the episode. I love the way she talks, and I certainly love the way she talks to me, so I'm sure that you'll enjoy all of her information. What made you want to be an advocate for bulimia, anxiety, and anorexia? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So, well, my, my, the first experience I had with anxiety was when I was age five, because my father died when I was two, so my mother and father was kind of rolled into one, and to be separated from her was just too traumatic for me. Um... And so then, and then when I was 11, I was sent away to boarding school where I would cry every night for the first like three, four weeks. And then I would see my mother again and then it, the whole cycle would start over again. And, and that happened, that continued for about four years. And, but when I was um, nine, I was sexually abused. And then I was sexually abused again when I was 18. Um, so, um, because of those difficult experiences that I'd had, I, when I became a teenager, 17, I, my, I was a late developer, my body was changing, I was blossoming into a, a woman, I did, I presume, um, and so I felt uncomfortable in my body and I felt that I was putting on weight and da, da, da. And the reason I like to say and tell this story is because it just shows the power of suggestion and that we can all learn from being more consciously aware about how we talk, particularly to children, and, and how, you know, and, and the different things that we say to each other. Because this friend of mine said to me, oh, do you know that if you eat a Mars bar and make yourself sick, then you won't put the weight on? And that unconscious part of my mind took that and ran with it. And hence then I developed bulimia. So from the age of 17, and I had it for 15 years. Um, and it did get very severe um, to the point of me, I couldn't even eat an apple because that would send me into a binge and, and uh, the purge cycle. Um, and at the time, I had no idea what was wrong with me because this was in the 1800s. I know maybe I don't look quite that old, but it was, it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, and so there was not much help out there. And I remember I managed to get hold of one book on bulimia, but it was a, it was a very academic book. And so I, I didn't understand. I couldn't read it anyway. Um, and... I remember a friend of mine said to me at the time, when I was in the depths of bulimia, she said to me, so when our scales get together and we talk about, you know, how we're feeling about certain situations, why are you the only one that never actually talks about how you feel? And I remember her saying that to me, and I remember thinking, I, I don't know what she's talking about. I was that, that far detached from my from my thoughts and my body. 
I had no idea. I just thought at the time I was going mad. Anyway, so my mother eventually managed to drag me to the doctor. Um, and the doctor referred me. I went to see a psychiatrist. And then I was diagnosed with bulimia. And then they sent me to a counsellor that, you know, it was a long time ago. So the counsellor wasn't really trained in dealing with people with such a severe eating disorder. So I didn't see her for too long. And then I found a private counsellor, which I saw for a time. And then I eventually found a therapist that I felt really comfortable with that I, you know, so I could open up and start to unravel this, um, these horrific experiences. When I was seeing this this therapist, my mother developed cancer. And two years later, she passed away very suddenly. Um, and when I eventually sort of moved forward and came out the other side, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, if I, I, I really, and I know this, that if I wasn't seeing that counsellor, that therapist, I wouldn't be here today. That's how much she helped me. So after that, I decided that I wanted to be able to help other people as I'd been helped. So that is when I trained to be a psychotherapist. And then I've moved on and done many other different therapies. I'm a hypnotherapist. I practice NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. Um, and I also practice emotional freedom technique, the tapping technique. Oh, we love that. And um, I'm a Reiki master and I practice other therapies. So I've sort of like progressed along the way. So this has been... We have to pull these apart because you are totally speaking my language right now. Okay, one, when you say you studied as a psychotherapist, will you pull that apart for someone who doesn't know what a psychotherapist actually does? Because then we're going to like tree branch down to all the other things that you said. So if yeah, I needed a psychotherapist, what would I be seeking your help for? So a psychotherapist is like a counselor, okay. which most people can relate to. Psychotherapy is more about getting down to the root cause of what the problem is so and is working with that. Conscious um, behavioral therapy, or do you did you tie hypnotism into the psychotherapy? Yeah, so the psychotherapy is more about working with the conscious mind, mm -hmm. and then hypnotherapy is working with the unconscious mind, the subconscious mind, and working in trance with that to be able to change you know specific behaviors patterns. Hypnotism is my favorite, and I know there are so many variations of it, and probably just because it's, like, so out there and, like, extraterrestrial and otherworldly. Um, I love Dolores Cannon's QHHT, Quantum Hypnosis Healing Therapy. So she hypnotizes yeah. you. You go into a theta brainwave state. The practitioner basically asks questions that you want to ask your higher self, and your higher self goes and retrieves them basically takes you to whatever part that's actually going to help you. So you can ask questions like, did I bring anything um, from a past life that's holding me back in this life? What karma do I need to clear? You know, am I going to get the yeah. job if that's like something you want to do? But um, hypnotism has, is something that has always, always just fascinated me, spe especially from like a therapeutic modality. And I realized from a really young age that, I mean, I had counseling 
when I was younger. Um, I can honestly say like I had a school therapist that like saved my life twice, right? You just had that safe space to go to. Yeah, when yeah. I started, I think I was 20 or 21, something like that. And I just started researching um, like hypnotic meditations. So I talk about rookie beginner, um, but I'll share this story just for anybody out there that hears that I tried this and like, I don't want to be like, go try this on your own. Um, but when um, I found this past life meditation, cause I was super curious like about karma and what karma I brought in to like break and release myself from and like learn lessons that I didn't do the last time. So I read, I read a bunch of stuff and it was just like, Hey, you can do this meditation. It'll actually take you to a, either like your last past life or just a past life in general. So you can kind of get perspective on not only like the bad karma you brought in, but maybe the good karma you brought in. So I was like, cool, I'll sit down, I'll meditate, I'll light some candles, do some breath work, see what I find. And at this time, I still think like my third eye visions are kind of like my imagination. So it was honestly really hard for me to believe at first. So it took me a minute because it was like, um, you're out in the middle of a field, you know, picture the field. Now there's a staircase in the middle of the field. You walk down the staircase and you take specific breaths every step down the stairs to get you to consciously connect with the vision in your head, right? Because there's a door at the bottom of the stairs and on the other side of that door, you're going to walk into the past life that your higher self is taking you to. Well, I get to the bottom of the stairs and there is smoke and fire coming out from under the door. And I, I'm like, well, it's just meditation, right? Like I'm not gonna get burned up. And I open the door and I wake up in a teepee on fire and I open it and it's a bunch of like, I'm just gonna say cavalry men cause I, I don't know their uniforms. I think they were blue. Um, like, you, you know, I'm talking about like civil war type stuff. Um, yeah. And like everything was on fire. Our tribe was being mutilated and everything was on fire. And I just remember like telling myself to get out of the meditation because like the first thing I see is like, I look down and I have like moccasins on my shoes and I was like, okay, I'm native American. That makes total sense with all the things that have happened in my life so far. But then as soon as I opened that tent and I saw like this battle of something going on and like my family being killed and fire and just literally it looked like the scene out of a movie. And then, um, I was like, okay, time to go, you know? And I was like, I just like snapped out of it really quick. And I just remember like waking up on, on my floor and just being like, <gasps> okay, all right. Uh, do not think I'm supposed to do that unassisted as a rookie by myself ever again. But that was one of the first like astral travel experiences I kind of had on my own. And I, yeah. and I didn't start talking about that till a couple years ago when all the dots started connecting with, you know, metaphysics. Um, yeah. but for the longest time, like I was like, it's, it's your imagination. That didn't really happen. Da, 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 da. But now after studying, um, a minimal part of like how you hypnotize, what brainwave state you come in and what you're able to access through those brainwave states, I was like, holy shit. That was totally real. That was a total past life. Yeah. That was terrifying. Cause I technically got exactly what I asked for, but you just really don't think you're going to wake up in a, in a teepee that's caught on fire. So yeah. I love hypnotism, NLP. So, um, suggestive selling, obviously if you go to restaurants, like a big thing, 
but NLP and like Tony Robbins, same thing. Like that's one of his main things that he uses for his self-help stuff. So it's, it's a lot of like, conscious and subconscious, but you don't necessarily like have to be taken under. So I'm fascinated with hypnotism and they taught us NLP, but it was, um, again, I was in the hospitality industry for a while. So it, it was rebranded as suggestive selling, but the, the nodding and the descriptive words and the smiling and the, yeah, you want to buy that. Yeah, you do. Yeah. 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 Very unconscious. Yeah. Yes. Very unconscious programming. And when I studied, not like certified studied NLP, but just researched it because we did an episode on my previous show about it. I was like, damn it. I was like, how much stuff have I bought that I didn't even want to buy because they literally (laughs) tricked me. And I was like, how many people did I trick? So, okay, psychotherapist, hypnotism. Um, how long have you been qualified as a Reiki master? Because that's like a couple levels before you get to a master program. Yeah. Um, since 2004, probably. Something like that. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, with hypnotherapy, so I qualified in 1999, so it was a long time ago. So I've been doing it for a very long time. Um, and depending on the individual, why it, why the client would come and see me, I do use um, hypnotherapy a lot of, a lot, and it's so powerful to help change people's behaviors because if they could consciously change that behavior, then they would, but they can't because it's all connected to the unconscious. And I think for me, when I think back, I have taught hypnobirthing um, and which is the inward for when you're giving, when you're in labor and going into trance. But when my third son was born, I had just qualified, or before he was born, I just qualified as a hypnotherapist. And I was like, right, okay. Because the first two births, I didn't have any pain relief. So I had a comparison. I'm like, I, mean, I don't want to go back there. Thanks very much. <laughs> I don't want to do that again. I want to be in trance. So from week I don't know, week 14, I started to listen to a specific recording that had been made for me every single night to get me into that that uh, relaxed, calm state for when I was in labor. And when the time came, they, for whatever reasons, they had to induce me on the drip, which, you know, sometimes can be a little bit more in-depth. In if you know what I mean. Um, And so I was said to the midwife, I said, okay, so when she was giving me the drip, I said, okay, just, I just want you to leave me. Let me, let me do it my way. Just leave me be. So that was at seven o'clock in the evening. And then I went through the labor until midnight and I had no pain whatsoever. And then I came around at mid, around about quarter to 12. And I said to my husband, I said, oh, my God, where's the midwife? I need to push. I need to push. And then he said, oh, I'll go and find the midwife because she wasn't there. And then I went into, um, had a, a contraction. Um, and then I came out again. And I said, where's the midwife? And he said, well, I couldn't find her. I said, no, 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 you go on stand. I need to push. I need to push. Anyway, so she eventually came. And she said, oh, now don't worry. No, 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 no. Putting her gloves on. And then she had a look. And she was like, oh, my God, the baby's there. Um, and then I just gave three push and then he came out now I did feel the pushes but they they weren't as uh, severe as they were 
so from my comparison. There was, Sorry? Are you saying you had no epidural? Like nothing. You had nothing. No. I had like, no I pain relief. I, I didn't have the gas snare or anything. Saying. I'm just making sure, like, to clarify, you did not have an epidural. So you felt the pushes, but the trance, like, did its work. Because I remember I had an epidural, but I just remember the pressure when I was pushing. And, like, how hard I was pushing. And I was just like, oh, God, just please get her out of me, right? Like, get out. But the pressure... Mm -hmm. I mean, I couldn't feel anything, but it was just unbearable. So when you're mm. like, oh, I felt when I was pushing, I'm like, do you mean like the pressure of like, oh my God, get this baby out of me? Because I get yeah. that. But the fact that you didn't have any pain medication alone, I want to crawl through the screen and hug you. Because like, I couldn't do that. I remember. I that, that is why everybody should be using the, you know, going into trance and, and doing this, you know, the hypnobirthing, which is even, you know, got, goes into even more depth yes. when um, when they uh, fall pregnant. So, but it's addressing all the fears and the worries and everything else. And there's a lot more to it now. But they, you know, the, that hadn't been developed when I went through this. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do, you know, do hypnosis on my own. And I'm going to make sure that I don't have that pain that I had before the two times before and so i didn't have any pain for from seven o'clock until you know till well to up till midday uh, mid midnight this is literally the first time i'm hearing about hypnobirthing oh yeah no people you know from you know years ago they used to do it as well i built a playlist for like a month on my phone and i have extra bass headphones that i'm obsessed with like sometimes i sleep in them to do subconscious meditations or just listen to music and i remember i'm like i'm not allowed to put my music on until like i get my epidural because it'll it'll kind of run the playlist for me right it's not going to do its due diligence so i waited until i could possibly they said like um you're looking for the worst pain you've ever felt in your life. Like, so they kept walking in and doing a pain scale on me. They're like, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? And I was like, okay, I'm at like a five. Like, I'm in a lot of pain, especially when the contractions hit. Like, I'm like screaming for the women of the world, right? I'm like, oh my God, this is what That's I mean, the first like. time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, and the anesthesiologist was like, hey, uh, keep in mind, you don't want to be a hero. Because if the girl across the hall calls for her epidural before you, she's like, if you're at your max pain and I'm busy, she's like, it'll be 20 to 30 minutes of that max pain. She's like, so, you know, like, it's up to you. I was like, okay, call her. Okay, call her. Just yeah. get her in here now. And then yeah. uh, she walked in the door and she goes, honey, literally after you called me, the girl across the hallway called me. She goes, she has to wait 20 minutes now. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, that poor woman. Oh, God, can you do both of us at the same time? She's like, I'll do it quick. I got you. And I mean, like, I, I remember hearing, like, the horror stories of, like, the needle going up your spine and, oh, it's going to hurt so bad. No, 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 no. You get that shit in my spine, please. Like, let's just do this. So, like, immediately, like, since you didn't have an epidural, I just remember, like, being like, okay, Monroe, all right, oh, oh, whoa. And then, like, just everything, like, flipped. And I was like, I'm having a baby. Everything's fine. Like, tuck me <laughs> into bed. So, like, they tucked me into bed for a while because I was still waiting to, like, be dilated enough to start pushing. And I just put my headphones on, and I had my playlist, and I was just like, I'm going to have a baby today.
and it was still like that was your third kid right with your hypnobirthing but for yeah. my first and only kid i was like i'm i'm gonna shoot a child out of my vagina in a minute or an hour <laughs> but i ended up pushing for 10 hours after oh. i got dilated she got stuck behind my hip bone and then um they wanted to like vacuum her out and then i was like no, can I just have a C-section? Like, can I request a C-section before this turns into an emergency situation? And they're like, oh, totally. Yeah, we'll, we'll go prep the room right now. And I was like, okay. So the anesthesiologist comes back in and she's like mother hen sweet. She's like, baby, oh my God, I heard you're still pushing. She goes, what happened? She goes, we had you dilated. You, she was supposed to be here hours ago. She goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure you don't feel a thing from head to toe, okay? And she had this needle, and she would walk it up my body. And until I couldn't feel the needle on my face, on my neck, on anywhere of my body, they just kept pumping and pumping and pumping. So I had so much medication in me that they actually had to give me nausea medication because I always puke on any type of IV medication. So as they're pulling my daughter out of me, my husband is watching this, and I am literally puking into a puke tube. And they're yeah. like, it's a girl. She's healthy. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so oh, wonderful. <laughs> so then we tried to do <laughs> I was sick all the way through all my birth yes. as well for the well, first two. I tried to do skin to skin, and I was shaking so bad from all of the stuff in my body and just, like, the pure adrenaline from, like, you know, feeling the cut in a crazy way. So, um, yeah, I wish I would have known what hypnobirthing was because the closest thing that I yeah. did was, like, build a music playlist and be like, just let the music flow through, you guys. Like, and I, all the songs that I put in my headphones on my belly when I was pregnant with her are all the songs that were on the playlist. And then, like, the next couple months of her life, I just played the same music for her because she, she would just calm down immediately when she yeah. would hear, like, Revolution was one of the biggest bands that I listened to at the time. They're like reggae rock, super positive. Um, yeah. And even to this day, if you play the playlist from before she was born and after she was born, like it's it's like her song. She just knows. So music is oh, very I powerful. But this hypnobirthing thing, you've taught me. Absolutely. So Everybody should be doing it. Yes, that is amazing. We definitely, definitely mm. going to have to figure out more stories about that. Um, yeah. Okay, I love tree branching, but I'm like, where do we go back to? So, <laughs> no birthing with your kids. Tell me about uh, studying NLP. So, well, NLP, the way that I use NLP with my clients mm -hmm. is because there's so many different techniques within it to be able to get people to change their behavior. Um, and the one specific technique is excellent to be able to Say somebody's had a traumatic event, that every time they're in that same or similar situation, those same feelings come up and it takes them back to that past experience. So there's an excellent NLP technique that um, you can use to be able to help people to break that link between the past experience and the feelings that come up. So break the feelings. So they've still got that memory, but they haven't got the feelings that now come up when they're in that similar situation so that's an excellent an excellent technique to be able to help people to then be able to you know move on you have a move wonderful on. bag of tricks to help people and oh yes i've got oh, a nice bag of tricks <laughs> yes. and then um 
talk to me more about um, bulimia sucks and anxiety hacks. Like we'll get to the books in a minute, but as far as the podcasting platform, do you educate people on what bulimia looks like? Um, being consciously aware that you're actually bulimic, but like maybe not even accepting that that's a possibility. Is that something that you come across? Um, uh, well, most people sort of understand that their behaviors now um, would be connected to bulimia. But the podcast is for people that um, are suffering with bulimia and um, how they have taken maybe taken their step onto that first pathway of recovery um, and what's helped them and talking about their journey or to professionals who work with people with bulimia. But no, it's not only for people with bulimia, it's for people with an eating disorder. So I talk to many different people and it's just, you know, it, it's, it's getting the word out there, but also helping people to be able to think about what they could do differently and what they need to do in their recovery. So um, we've had over 32,000 downloads now, so I'm very pleased about that. So it's reaching out to people and, you know, and that's what it's all about is helping people. Yeah, which is congratulations what I love to do. on those downloads. It definitely is one of those things. Um, like I, I have a friend who um, still struggles with it and is coming out of it like she – She's been working on it for a while, but it, it was a lot of understanding like how she got here in the first place. Um, yeah. And resources like that, it's kind of like I get to get in my car and I get to listen to this podcast that helps me and I'm not really ready to come out and tell people that I'm struggling mm -hmm. with this, but how cool to have these people to show me that I'm not alone. Absolutely. And, and that, you know, that's, that's a biggie for a lot of people. Like you say, because it is that deep, dark secret that so many people have. Um, and, and to hear other people's stories and, the, you know, the difficult times that they've had and how they have come through it and also the knowing that they can recover. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I've been recovered for over 25 years now and there is absolutely no thought whatsoever and there hasn't been for years and years and years of me ever going down that route again. So then uh, moving on to anxiety hacks, what was the inspiration um, in consolidating all that information in one book? So, well, I decided to write anxiety hacks because, um, because so many people have anxiety. And I have been working with people with anxiety for, well, ever since I started working with my clients, so for the last 20 plus years. Um, and it's, it incorporates many, many different ways to be able to help people with their anxiety. Um, and the reason I've packed it full of different tools and techniques is because we're all different. So it's, it's reading through the book and finding what, what way, what technique, what tool, what tip, whatever helps you. And then within the book, there's a companion course that I made. So a free companion course that is connected to the book. And it's got videos of me showing you how to do some of the techniques. Um, and then there's downloadable tables and other extra information in the companion course. Because I think it's one thing reading, you know, the steps of how to follow, you know, do a, say, do a technique. 
Um, but it's also much more helpful to have a video showing you how to do specifically do those those steps. So I'm very excited about the book, and it's doing very well. We had 523 downloads last week in one day, so I'm very excited about that. I'm excited to get my own copy. I didn't realize that it had literally like just been published within the last couple weeks. So when I was, you know, digging through all your info to refresh my memory, I was like, this has to be added to my collection. I not only can utilize this for myself and my own healing journey, Mm -hmm. but I get to put it in my bag of tricks. And it's like, like I told you earlier, if I use it, I, I've, it's vetted. I'm not going to pass anything on to somebody for like some false ass promotion, right? Like I'm super authentic in the products that I use, whether it's from a small business, an author, whoever, like I really pride myself on if you ask for my help on something, I'm like, okay, this worked for me. It might not work for you, but this is what I did. Check out Kate Hudson Hall, you know? So when I was doing it today, I was like, I hate that I didn't order this book before our interview. Do you have a copy of it (laughs) there that you can flash to the camera? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Yes, and it's also available on Amazon, which I'm going to obviously put all your links down below per use. Want to make sure everybody can get to all of our friends super fast. But um, I am super excited to add that to my collection and just start learning from it. Oh, thank you, Shai. Yes. yes, I'm very excited about it. And then, of course, I do um, the tapping therapy, which I teach in the book. Oh, we love I EFT. Because I, so yesterday, you'll love this then. Yesterday, I always usually have music blaring really loud because, um, like, music's definitely my therapy. But I was so overwhelmed in the happiest way, and all I was doing was um, finishing the rest of the release of season one, booking, like, seasons of guests, like, getting the promos in line. Like, I'm literally doing everything I love doing. I work for myself. I work very hard for myself, putting all this together. And I made a list of all of the guests that I still had to promote for season one. And I tripped balls because I had over the amount of guests that I had for slots for season one. And I had no idea that I overbooked the guests. Um, and I, you know, if I'm going to release your episode, I'm, I don't want to push back your deadline, right? So I just sat here and I was like, turn the music up really loud and just started like singing it. And then like immediately I was like, oh yeah, right. I can do the cheekbones. Okay, up. And then I just like, I sat here for like five minutes and I was just like tapping my third eye and just doing like, if I could have done muscle testing on myself, I probably would have. Tapping is something that I want to know more about. I'm definitely like just a beginner. I know like mild versions, but as someone who teaches it and taps it, if I'm a beginner, like what would be like your top three to start with to help regulate my um, golden retriever in me, I guess I would say. What does that mean, your golden retriever? So I always say I'm a golden retriever in a human body because like have you ever met a golden retriever in real life? Like they yeah. love everybody and they come up and they're like, hi, I love you so much. I know I don't know you, but I love you so much. <laughs> I think you're so great. Let me give you a hug. Like, Let me give you a hug. Let me send on your lap. I love you. And then like when you're done with the dog, right, you're like, okay. All right, like, go to your bed. The dog's, like, never mad at you. He's like, all right, well, you'll call me. I'll be back. And, like, that's literally how my personality gets if I, like, meet people or I love people or promote people. or I'm just a real big fan of humans, right? And, like, I feel like a dog like that. I'm just like, 
I know I don't know you, and I know we just met, but I need you to know, like, I just think you're so great. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah that's, so lovely. Like, that's a lovely say, mention, but I love that. I always yeah. say I'm in golden retriever mode when I meet people. And sometimes, <laughs> like, I really can overwhelm people where it just, like, completely turns them off. But I also believe that I operate from a high level of unconditional love as much as possible. So when I meet people that they don't know how to receive love from strangers like that, they're just like, oh, she's weird. And I'm like, oh, I love you anyways. Okay, bye. I'll be over here. Just like, let me know when you want me. Um, but again, back to the tapping. Um, if I want to like do something driving to work, if my boss makes me angry, if I have a fight with my significant other, and I just really need to like bring it back into myself, like what would be a good tapping response? So okay, so um, let me just explain. So in the 80s, there was a type of therapy called thought field therapy um, created by Roger Callahan. And what he found was that if you were, he was an acupuncturist and I think he was a doctor and did other therapies and things. And he found if you were to tap on a specific point on the body while thinking about a specific feeling, you can reduce down that feeling. So there's many, 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 many different points all connected to different feelings. So it's, it's, in a way, it's quite complicated because you need to know all the different points in the, on the body and then the feelings connected to those points. So um, then in the 1990s, um, Gary Craig learned thought field therapy, um, and he was the one that went on to develop the kind of the original, um, well, the, the emotional freedom technique, the tapping technique. But nowadays, there's been lots of, there's lots of different variants of it. Um, but... So what he found was that if you tap on a routine of points while thinking about any negative feeling, you can reduce down that feeling. Oh, it's it's brilliant. I love it. Mm. So it sounds so but, simple, right? You're just like, ah, oh, right. I'm in control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, the, but if, for example, um, somebody gets very stressed or very anxious the specific point to tap on is the karate chop point uh, is the collarbone point which is where um, underneath your chin where the bone comes down to a v on either side so you can tap either with one hand or um, two fingers on one side or two fingers on the other side or both and i like this point because i feel my whole body go Ooh. yeah i know i'm like this is nice yeah, and like the whole body kind of lets yeah, go and relaxes. It's, it's a really, it feels like shavasana really quick in your body without doing yoga for an hour. I like that. I need all those. I need all those. So if you were in a situation where you felt anxious, rather than going around and doing the whole, the whole um, tapping sequence, you could just tap on your, your collarbone point there, and that will reduce down the anxiety and the stress and get you into a calmer place. So that's a really good point yeah, that to is know, a good one. to learn. I mean, I just tried it with you, and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a really good point to you. So, you know, everybody tap on your on your collarbone point there, and you can calm I your anxiety, calm yourself down. The power of um, how we're actually able to regulate our bodies if we would just – 
I mean, sadly, you do have to dig for the information. They're just not going to, like, give it to you, right? Um, but tapping, muscle testing, meditation, even breath work during the day. Uh, one of my favorites that I learned from Greg Braden um, is it's called the heart-brain coherence. So it's six breaths in, six breaths out, and you do it consistently um, for a little bit. And um, basically, it puts your heart and your brain in coherence together where they're actually, like, able to work. Because according to his research, humans are the only ones that can be disconnected from their heart space and still actually live. Yeah. No, and I'm just like, oh, that's super creepy. Um, so let's you know, <laughs> stay connected to our heart. Kind of like live in compassion and non-judgment is what I think of it. But yeah, when I yeah. did that, um, I started doing that with meditation and um, just as kind of like my own test, right? I did it for like 30 days straight. And I was like the nicest person ever. Like I, Love tore, that. I tore my meniscus during yoga when my daughter was sleeping. I did a 10 minute yoga routine in jeans. It's completely egotistical. And um, I stretched too far on my knee and my meniscus like popped, right? I've never been injured to the point where I've actually like broken a bone or anything. So I actually didn't know how to be injured. And I was just like, nothing's wrong. Like, it's fine. Um, so I woke up the next day after elevating it and I couldn't even like sit down on like my toilet to go to the bathroom. Like my leg wouldn't bend. It wouldn't bend back into place. So still, even though my leg wouldn't bend back into place, I was like, do I go to the ER? Because like ER is like bad, right? Like I'll figure this out, you know? I'll just go grab my textbook and find the part on my body that I messed up and like, I'll just put it back into place. Right. I just, I don't want to be a burden to anybody. Right. I end up having to go to the ER. Right. Cause I can't freaking walk. I go there. They do a bunch of fun Western medicine stuff and I have a leg brace and yada, yada, yada. Like two days later, I'm at a stoplight a block away from my work with this Forrest Gump looking leg brace on and this girl rear ends me while I'm stopped at a stoplight. And I mean, I didn't want to deal with it, right? Like nobody ever wants to be like, oh, I got rear-ended, it's fine. I was like, no. And it wasn't even like bad, right? Because I have insurance, it'll go to a body shop tomorrow, I'll have a rental car, everything's fine. But I didn't even want to go through that process. I was like, no! I was like, I'm still trying to figure out if they're going to talk me into knee surgery in the next couple months. So I looked up at the sky and I just went, seriously, like, haha, this is so funny. And then, like, she comes out of her car, she's erratic, a mess. Again, I'm Claire Audience, so, like, her higher self's coming and, like, her and her boyfriend just broke up. Her life is a freaking mess. She was on her phone, looked up, and your car was there. Like, she's very sorry. And I look at her, I was like, can I trust you to pull over here so we can exchange information? And she was like, yes. And remind me, I got out with a leg brace. So I look like, literally like Forrest Gump is what I think of. But <laughs> immediately I can feel this girl go, oh my God, she's going to sue me. She's like already injured. Because my, my leg was on the brake. So when she hit me, it twisted my meniscus more. And it oh my gosh. so bad. Like I felt like I just re-injured myself and I was in like a very like high tech robotic looking knee brace. Um, so we pulled in. She's like, I've never been in an accident before. I don't even know how to do this. And I was like, oh, I know how to do this. I was like, I just know because my parents trained us. Like if you ever get into an accident or anything, like these are all the things that you get. Call your insurance company immediately, yada, yada, yada. She was just like apologizing, so sorry. And I said, listen, 
you're not really getting the best version of me, but I said, as you can tell, I've already been going through stuff that I didn't even want to do anyways. I said, the universe has a really funny sense of humor. I go, they probably just wanted us to have margaritas, honestly. I said, we both have car insurance. Her son was in the car. She had like an eight-year-old kid in the car, and I was like, how is your son? Is he okay? Like, fuck my knee. How's your kid? And she said, he's fine. Everything's fine. Are you fine? And I was like, it really looks like your life is falling apart. I said, I'm not here to make it any worse. And she just like stopped and looked at me and she's like, I don't understand. Like I hit you. Why are you being so nice to me? And I was like, baby, accidents happen. It's fine. Like I'm going to go file a police report online and I'm going to go back to work. So I text her the next day and I was like, Hey, how are you doing? Like you hit me really hard. Like, is your neck okay? Is your back okay? Is your son okay? Is everything okay? And she was like, yeah, everything's fine. She's like, but seriously, why are you being so nice and checking up on me? She's like, you should hate me. And I was like, I don't hate you. I was like, I love everybody. I'm like, sometimes I act out the wrong way sometimes. I was like, but I'm like, dude, it's a rear end. I was like, this is this is no big deal. I'm like, I'm really sorry. Like, it really is inconvenient for both of us, but like, we're good, dude. We'll, we'll get together sometime. It's fine. And she's like, this is amazing. She's like, I've never been treated like this before in my life. And I'm just like, I'm pretty sure it was the meditation, like long story long. Right. I'm like, cause I was just living in compassion as much as I could at the time and thoroughly enjoyed it. And I like, who knows what's good or bad. That's one of my favorite things to do, especially when things are feeling a little rough. I'm like, this is happening for me. This is not happening to me. This is happening for me. This is not happening to me. Where's the lesson? Where's the lesson? And I mean, I don't know what the lesson is, is like tearing your meniscus and getting rear-ended except for like slow down. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just remember like that six breaths was, um, I'm living proof that it worked, right? Cause I went through all yeah. that shit and I was still just like, Oh yeah. Like even getting my x-rays taken. I'm like, I'm so sorry that I'm here. Oh, you guys have real people to take care of. And I'm just over here, just taking up your x-ray machine. <laughs> <laughs> they were so nice. They were like teaching me how to use crutches. I'm like, I don't, I've never used crutches. I was like, I've never been injured. I was like, I don't know how to do this thing. And they're just like, we're not used to people like you in the hospital. <laughs> Like, get me out of here. You have real people to take care of. So there's my tree branch, my biggest one. Um, okay, because I know we're about to wrap this up. So anxiety hack, anxiety hacks and bulimia sucks. Where can I listen to your podcast? So the um, both podcasts are on both all of the main main platforms. So okay. wherever you wherever you listen, they're on there. They're on there. And then I can buy your books on Amazon. Um, Amazon. On Amazon. You also have a website that I linked below. Very pretty. Um, can I work with you, like, remotely on all the services that you talked about? Yeah, absolutely. I, I work with online clients, mostly really on Zoom at the moment, um, but also on FaceTime or WhatsApp. Yes, Okay, and then um, do you want to list a couple of those services for me and anybody else listening that would just maybe just want to call and listen to your voice? <laughs> uh, services. So, well, I work with, with clients um, with all sorts of issues. 
um, particularly with eating disorders and anxiety, but um, yeah, with many other different issues as well. Do you do so. any like, energy work anymore? I know you said you're a Reiki master, but is that just a part of your bag of tricks that you pull out if you're called to use it for an yeah. individual? Yeah, I, I, I still practice Reiki. Um, but I am more focused on the on psychotherapy and the other therapies and uh, the talking therapies. I think it's a beautiful spirit science bridge. My favorite is just to kind of bring those two together and have them work as a superpower. So when I meet people that really um, are open to blending both of those and understanding that they really are just two forms of science coming together to work together, um, my favorite kind of people. Absolutely, absolutely. So when somebody comes to see me or we're online with a confused muddle of, I don't know where I am right now, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's unraveling that package and then piecing it back together so it works perfectly for the client. Well, you definitely have to, I mean, for yourself, you direct experience is our best teacher, right? I think that's what makes the best helpers in the situation. Mm -hmm. We really go through it to help others and recognize those. So um, you have to hold a lot of space and have a lot of compassion for these people coming in, um, yeah. in like kind of at their wits end for whatever they're going through. And you're like, hey, hey, you're safe here, but I'm going to need you to listen to me. Okay? This is your safe space. Yes. Absolutely. You are safe. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <sighs> I just love you. <laughs> amazing i love you yes absolutely amazing i cannot wait to get your book i cannot wait to talk to you again literally oh, if you see. ever want to come back on the show spread your knowledge tell us a story please come back because i just oh i'd love to come back shy that would be so much fun you're incredible i could share more of my anxiety hacks absolutely tips. yeah and i mean especially with us putting it on youtube it's always good like i'm a visual and hands-on learner so i appreciate yeah. anybody that's able to give me a video so yeah. yes you are welcome back literally anytime as much as you want i love your oh, vibe i love your energy do you have any um anything else that you would like to tell our guests before we introduce our music for the day um um I feel that people need the help that, um, you know, people need help. And, and there's a lot of help in, in, the, in the book Anxiety Hacks. So it's definitely worth a read. And even at the moment, it's, um, the Kindle is on Amazon for 99 cents. So you could just pop in there and get your copy. So to, to get that help that maybe you, you do need or find in the book what, what would work for you. That's wonderful. Well, now that I know the Kindle's 99 cents, I can purchase that today and read it until the hard copy gets here. Because I will be getting a hard mm. copy and you will be all over my TikTok. Because I love reading excerpts from people's books to inspire them to go purchase the book themselves. So, um, I am kind. so excited to get your stuff. <laughs> Genuinely, I am so glad that I met you. I cannot wait for oh, you to come back. Oh, me too. On. This has been so much fun. Yes. And again, one more time, I love your voice. It makes me so happy when you talk to me. I just love it. Oh, but I love you. I much prefer the American accent. I have tried for years to speak with an American accent, but it just, the only thing I can say is for sure. For sure. That's all I can say. Yeah, for I'm sure. Like it doesn't even sound like an American accent anymore. It's spectacular. <laughs> There was another guy from the UK that I interviewed, and he would just be like, it's brilliant. 
it's brilliant. And I'm like, can I use that word? Like every time I talk to you, I'm like every time you talk to me, I'm just like, Gareth, you're brilliant. And he's like, yes, of course. He's like, that's how we talk over here. And I was like, America, I'm like, that's cool. You're awesome. That's great. Like just very, you know, American phrases, but you guys, your descriptive words are awesome. Spectacular and brilliant. I'm stealing from both of you. That's spectacular. Well, if you ever need uh, tips and tricks on how to sound like you're from Wichita, Kansas, or, you know, Camp Point, Illinois, call me up and I'll help you out. And then maybe you can help me fit into the UK when I finally come and visit in the next couple of years. Oh my gosh, come on, you've got to come over. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, so plan much on, fun. we plan on touring all over the world and shooting documentaries and interviewing people. Like, I mean, <gasps> this is just the beginning, but we really do plan, like I told you, we plan on going to Costa Rica and hosting an ayahuasca trip with me and like 10 friends, and we're going to do a documentary format of it so we can um, show all of our loved ones that plant medicine and psychedelic medicine, I guess you could say, can really help with PTSD and all of that stuff as well. Mm -hmm. We want to bring that to the forefront of our listeners. Um, Fantastic. I'm super interested in going and interviewing people in their safe spaces and showing people these places and being like, hey, you're safe here. If you're scared to be hypnotized, go to my YouTube channel. They hypnotized me for five hours, which I'm actually doing that in January. So I told you um, I love QHHT. There's a local practitioner that I'm going to work with. She's going to hypnotize me for about five hours, and we're going to video it and audio it, and I'll release it on the show, and I'll release it on my YouTube. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. So, yeah, yeah. Let me know. Oh, let me know. I'll right. have to keep a, keep a close eye. I'd like to see that. Yes. And then when I make it to the UK, I want <gasps> you to hypnotize me. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yes. Yeah. Come on. Oh, Let's I'm ready. I'm ready. Yes. Uh, yeah. I never knew that I would have a job where I'm like, I gotta go get hypnotized today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been so fun. I cannot oh, wait to have you back. Okay, well, this is uh I mean besides you, my favorite part of the show is music. And uh one of my true soul sisters, Kelly Catastrophe, sponsors it through her concert photography company called Vitality Exposed. You can check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I still believe the last thing she shot was Circus Soleil and, oh, Motionless and Wyatt, which is a super big band touring around the U.S. right now. Um, but if you haven't went and checked out her shots, please check out her shots because she really just brings that music like full force in your face and makes you want to get back into the music. But today she is bringing a Neovi track, Meaning, and I really hope you like it. This is off one of his older albums, but still hits pretty good. Kate, thank you so freaking much. I love you. Oh, Cheyenne, I love you too. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Brilliant. Spectacular. (laughs) This is the Hoosier Media Network, your home for podcasting.